Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text this morning from Luke's gospel is hard because it seems so irrational. We live in a time of reason. We are children of the age of rationality and reasonability. And we kind of look at evil and demons and stuff like that more with a, a sense of Hollywood or maybe Disneyland that we trivialize evil or we make it so gross and so yucky in some way that it's unbelievable. Levitating beds and throwing up and voices and all sorts of stuff. And for the reasonable, rational 21st century person, we maybe dismiss evil and say, well, you know, this is bad and that's bad. And... But in our text this morning, Jesus goes beyond reason. This story is not just a little allegory about how good wins over evil or And it certainly does not dismiss the personalization of evil in the ministry of Jesus or evil's role in 2022. I like this text. I like this text because Jesus is is, is front and center. Everywhere he goes, he's doing the Messiah thing. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's bringing the light of the world to bear on the people around him. And it's check, check, check. Is Jesus the Messiah? Yes, 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 yes. And here he shows his authority over evil. The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 4, which Mr. Prang read. I'd like to just read verses 31 through 37, and you may want to follow along in your bulletin. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of, at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they came out. And the news about him spread through the surrounding areas. In my personal life and my devotional life with scripture and what I read and what I think about is really changed dramatically over the last two years. I find my sermons being less rhetorically brilliant, and that's probably a low bar going lower, but but I find myself coming back to the meat and potatoes of preaching, back to what's real, back to where power and authority are, back to the Word of God, away from the entertainment and all the cute stories and all of those things. You don't hear a lot of football stories, and certainly after lax week's game, you're not going to hear any for a while. (laughs) But the Scripture has helped me frame the last two years in a way that has allowed me to deal with and digest with the ongoing barrage of issues, of decisions, of the ups and downs of family and loved ones and church and school and all of those things.
When I get into a meeting and I get pinched, I, I come back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and I close my eyes and I, and I read that scripture off the top of my forehead. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in this dark age and in this dark world and against the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I don't know about you, but I've thought about evil in a whole different way. And it's interesting to think about evil because we like to dismiss it. We live in Orange County, after all. If we lived in Michigan, as I said earlier, and every day was freezing and every summer day was hot and humid and miserable, maybe we would have a little more taste of evil. No offense to people from Michigan. But there is evil. There is a struggle and there is a personal dedication by evil and the evil one to destroy you. To destroy you physically, mentally, and even more to separate you from God so that eternally you are destroyed. And I think what I've watched over the last couple of years is we frame the fight in the wrong way. We frame the fight as a medical fight or a political fight or a, a, a who's in charge fight, a policy and protocol fight. We frame it in a way that makes sense to us rather than saying that there is evil and the personification of evil in the world and every day it's a fight for the souls of humanity. Our fight is not against flesh and blood about what we're going to wear or not going to wear, what we're going to put into our bodies or what we're not going to put into our bodies. The fight that we go on every day is the fight against evil, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And maybe evil is having its darkness and the shadow of evil coming across the hearts and lives of people as people struggle with drug abuse and depression and loneliness and fear in a whole different way than maybe they've experienced in their lives before. I don't even like to say that word, but if I cheat you out of that word evil, then it's very difficult to proclaim the power and the authority of God that was made clear in Jesus on that day in Capernaum. Jesus had a confrontation. This isn't nice, Jesus. Jesus had been nice all along, healing and teaching and all of those things. But now he was into a confrontation and he's going to smoke that evil spirit. He's going to have a smackdown right here and there in the middle of people, hundreds of people perhaps, now, not many of us have had to deal with evil in that way or have that level of conflict in our lives, but we deal with a world that is decaying. No matter how much we legislate, the world is decaying, not from the effects of pollution as much as it is from the effects of sin, right out from under our feet, our world is decaying. The anthropocentric values of the world demand that Jesus be removed from the center of our hearts. And, and then we accept the rhythms of secularism and the great big things that humanity has to do based on pressure from our culture and wanting to fit in. And personally, I war against my own sin and weaknesses 
my own selfishness, my own greed, my own corruption. In my heart, I am tempted to sin. And in my mind, I'm led toward temptation. And it seems that it's so difficult to stay on a narrow path that the Lord has for me. And sometimes I just dismiss that as the way it is. And I'll say something mean and hateful, or I'll participate in something that's bad for me or the people around me. And it's difficult to stay on the narrow path that the Lord Jesus has for me, for us. And that evil trinity of the world, the devil, and myself, the trinity of evil, can be pretty enticing. My father in his ministry had a direct confrontation with a person who had struggled and, 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 and been possessed by an evil spirit. I'll never forget the night. The phone rang at 2 in the morning and my father had to go out in the middle of nowhere in northern Arizona. And my father was a big and a robust and a strong guy. And that morning he was shaken. In my ministry and my time at St. John's, I've never had to deal with the face-to-face encounter with evil like my dad did or like Jesus did this day. But I think what's warring against us in Orange County of, of evil that I've seen is more along the eyes of addiction, of drug and alcohol addiction, and of a, addictive behaviors that become the focal point in the center of people's lives. The person addicted to drugs, specifically to heroin in, from what I've seen, is like a possession. Everything is guided towards feeding that addiction. Everything is given up. The body is mangled, horribly affected. All relationships are horribly abused so that that individual possessed by that addiction can get the next hit of the drug. And people are seen as opportunities for for being taken advantage of to have money to feed the addiction. Evil. Ultimately, the drug and the addiction destroys the person at all levels of their life. Families are torn apart. We've had younger and older people in our congregation whose families have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on rehab to get their children and their loved ones off of heroin and opioids and other drugs. I believe that's evil and a form of possession because the person is unable to make the decisions and free themselves from the possession of that addiction. Evil is real. Evil is not a figment of our imagination. Evil is not something that we kind of put a toe in and say, well, that's bad, but God is good and everything's going to be okay. It's interesting to look at a text like this and let it speak to our hearts rather than rationalize, rationalize it away. Over the last two years, Christians have fared statistically better than non-Christians. We've been able to keep our hopes up and our hopes alive. We've been able to gather together and encourage one another. Perhaps that's because we frame this evil in a way that is not spiritualized into nothingness or not made primarily a medical or a legislative issue. 
Perhaps it's because the Jesus who exercised, exercised authority in Capernaum that day exercises the same authority for you and me here and now in the midst of this dark age. What Jesus does with evil is fantastic in this text. What he does first off is he confronts it. He doesn't negotiate with it, say, you know what, if, if, if you let me take five steps in and then you step out, then you can come back. He doesn't sit and mess with it or rationalize it away. He doesn't look at the crowd that day and say, you know what, this is just a little thing and it's no big deal. Rather, he stares down evil. He sends it away. The same thing he did for the person in Capernaum that day, he does for you and me now. Jesus loves us in such a complete manner, in such a complete way that he can't step around or through or over evil. He confronts evil. He deals with it. And he sends it away. What a marvelous peace that is to know that the authority and power of God dealing with evil in the world is that which can dispel darkness because where light is, the darkness of evil cannot exist. He confronts it and then he quiets it. You ever had that experience where the person's in your face and they're yapping and you don't know and you don't know and if you only knew as a young pastor I used to kind of sit and say okay and then they'd take a breath and then I'd fire right in and say now you not so much 57 years old you learn a little bit what I would do is let people talk and and then when they run out of wind, or they realize what they're defending or what they're rationalizing, then speak into that. Jesus that day quiets evil. The demon is silenced. Jesus doesn't need the witness from evil to prove that he's the son of God. What he's done that day in Capernaum has demonstrated who he is. They brought the sick to him. The, the, the crowds got bigger and bigger. The voices that sur surrounded him were filled with joy and, and, and filled with expectation that this guy was the Son of God. I pray that, I pray that you hear that voice of Jesus. Not the voice of temptation, but the voice of Jesus. His voice from the cross is one of strength and peace for you and me. His voice soothes and strengthens us in this battle. And his voice from the cross saying, it is finished, speaks with the same authority today as it did on that Friday afternoon. Scripture tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He quiets evil because his words, his authority allows him to take the fight right to the enemy and send evil away and send evil packing. Jesus wins that battle that day, but at the end, Jesus wins the war against evil. We are beneficiaries and heirs of that victory. He confronts evil, he quiets evil, and he drives it out. It's gone without injury to the man, Luke records. You see, darkness can't handle light. Evil can't live where Jesus is. And Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you.
You are baptized into Christ. You are in Christ. You have this hope in your heart as the greatest weapon in the war against evil. And you will win battle after battle until you end up at heaven's portal, tired and maybe bruised, but victorious. Because the same authority by which Jesus casts out that demon, he forgives your sins and my sins and calls us into a relationship with himself that at the end, at the end, we will be victorious. I love that. I love what Jesus does here. And I would offer that it, it could be a template, right? That would be the way another preacher would say that. Well, and all you need to do is be still, speak the word, and drive out demons. But what we do as God's people is richer than that. There's preventative work that we do to stay away from evil, and there's work that we do to get out of evil. And I would offer you these three things which are significant to help you think about how you stay away from temptation. And instead of putting your toe in evil, you flee and run from it. First, walk in the rhythms of Jesus. Honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The rhythms of God's grace are found here and now in this place. It's this piece of breaking the rhythm of work, of six days being nervous and anxious and uptight, of all the stuff you got to do. It's, it's, it's those moments that wear us out and wear us down. And when evil comes a knocking and the shadow comes across our hearts, we say, I just don't have the wherewithal to fight. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm struggling. So honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That rhythm alone keeps you dependent on God's love for you in Jesus Christ. We have every reason in the world to rationalize away dishonoring the Sabbath, honoring the Sabbath day. It takes work to get up and get to worship. It takes a heart that's inclined towards God. Taking Sunday off from worship or whatever and supplanting worship with whatever is the course of least resistance in our life. It's also the single most defeating way to handle evil. We get so busy with so much stuff and we walk in our own rhythm. The encouragement from Jesus in this text is to walk in His rhythms. And you may be surprised how well-equipped and how strong you are when you rely on Him and walk in His way. Second, keep His name on your lips. I always kind of roll my eyes when someone says, well, in God's name. They pray this beautiful prayer and they go, well, in God's name. If you'll notice, and I had the most beautiful commentary sent to me on a card, and, and, and the lady said, you, you use the name of Jesus so much in your church. Thank you. Thank you. That's what we're all about. For those of you who are wondering, we are an evangelist, a Lutheranist, a Kirka. We are an evangelical Lutheran church. Use the name of Jesus. We don't pray in God's name. We don't pray in the name of the Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. 
Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There's a reason why the demons ran away. There's a reason why they shut their mouth. Because the name of Jesus bears his authority. Yahweh saves. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Use his name. Don't make up some nutty weird deal and eh. pray and speak in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name. Power to ward off evil in the name of the one who defeated it on the cross. Keep his name on your lips. And finally, the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 4, believe in him. Put your confidence in him. Whatever's sitting on your heart, whatever kind of thing would, would seek to edge Jesus off the throne of your heart, let the light of his love shine on that garbage and move it out. Believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved, Luke writes in the book of Acts. Jesus is the Messiah. He cast out the demon and the demons that day. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. He did the things that showed him to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Believe in Jesus first and best. You won't be disappointed. You might struggle here and there. You might get a black eye. You might get punched in the face by evil once in a while. You might have to stand up over something that's unfair. But at the end, you stand with Jesus, the Messiah the Son of God. Repeatedly, He did the things that would bear and prove that putting your trust and believing in Him is well-founded. Believe in Jesus first and Jesus best. Luke 4, hold that in your heart. When evil comes a-knocking and said, did Jesus really say? Is Jesus really the one? That God guy? Is that cool? You know what? You should just roll over and go back to sleep. It's all good. You're tired. You owe it to yourself. Bah. Believe in Jesus first and best, and you'll see that in your life you will take on a stronger posture. In your heart and soul, you will be more resilient. And at the end, at the end of all things, you will stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.